Hello, folks. Welcome to the IoT Time podcast. I am Ken Briota, Editorial Director for IoT Evolution. And here on IoT Time, I try to talk about all the things that I think are interesting, innovative, and hopefully important in the Internet of Things. We're going to get to our episode in just a moment. I'm really excited about it because we're going to be talking about the edge with the edgiest of all edge companies. Uh, and uh, you've already read the title, so you know it's going to be with uh, IBM Edge Ecosystem. But before we do that, uh, I want to remind you that uh, IoT Evolution Expo has moved. Uh, we are no longer going to be taking place in Miami in February. Instead, we are going to be in June 2021, still in Miami at the Miami Convention Center and live. We are uh, very optimistic and hopeful that uh, that we're going to be able to do this uh, exciting live event for you in June. And we are in in uh, full stages of planning um, and uh, and working on that. So I would like to invite all of you, if you haven't already, to go over to iotevolutionexpo.com. Take a look at our agenda uh, topics as they evolve. Make sure you check out our list of exhibitors and sponsors and uh, uh, get yourself registered to, uh, to join us. Now is the best time to get the best possible rates and to make sure that you are uh, getting the updates as we start to list speakers and uh, new agenda items and, of course, new sponsors and exhibitors over the next several months. Uh, that's at iotevolutionexpo.com, iotevolutionexpo.com. And I hope you'll join us when you get the moment. But I will uh, put that aside for now. We'll talk about it again at the end because I'm very excited to introduce as my guest, Evaristus Mainsa, who is the lead of IOT, or I'm sorry, of IBM's Edge Ecosystem. I did all right on the name and screwed up the company. Evaristus, welcome to the show. This is the kind of shenanigans that we do here. <laughs> Thank you, and thank you so much. I'm delighted to be spending the time with you. Uh, the pleasure is uh, entirely mine, and as they're about to find out, my listeners, uh, to have you here on the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, sort of what you guys at uh, Edge Ecosystem are working on. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. So I am the general manager for our IBM Hybrid Cloud and Edge Ecosystem. So I have uh, ecosystem partners come on to IBM's hybrid multi-cloud platform. We enable them so they can use it and provide value for their customers. And, uh, and then on the edge side, I am uh, building an ecosystem of edge ecosystem partners that again uh, use our platform to drive value for their own customers as well. That's amazing. And you have now twice uh, used one of my favorite trigger words for the IoT, which is partner. I think that the IoT as uh, an industry and an economic force is uh, entirely reliant upon good partnership building. Uh, I think that even uh, a company with as many fingers and as many pies as IBM has cannot possibly be the be-all and end-all of any given solution, um, uh, despite how much you try. And you don't have to tell me you don't, because I know you do. <laughs> um, uh, because I think that uh, IB, uh, I IoT is an industry of specialists. There's a lot of little moving pieces and a lot of things that you have to be very, very good at to nail. And once it's nailed, it's great. But that's why I think partners are important. So I love hearing that that's sort of where your home base is right now. And I'd, I'd love to hear how, how you're approaching that sort of partnership economy uh, in the edge. So Ken, you are so right. You are so right. Um, so when you think about hybrid cloud, you sort of start from thinking about this cloud and move to the edge. You think about, uh, and our CEO talked recently about the imperatives of hybrid cloud, talked about one of them was history, that 
your customers already have a lot of different types of equipment in place. When you talk about edge, you can multiply that by a big factor. Right? Oh, sure. Because all of these devices, all of these IoT devices are churning out information. The second is choice, which is they don't want to throw them away. In fact, you go in there, they have cameras. They have different generations of cameras, <laughs> and all of them are doing work, and your job is to figure out a way to get them to work together. And the, the third imperative is sort of uh, physics, which is you know, latency still plays a role, always play a role. And the fourth one is uh, around law, which is about data residency. So when you look at that and you think about edge and the multiplicity of different pieces that you need to bring to work, there's no way, no chance whatsoever of you achieving that without an ecosystem, which is why we went out, we actually announced our IBM Edge uh, ecosystem and also telco cloud ecosystem back in, I think, 2020 in March. Mm -hmm. We had within that uh, a, a large umbrella of infrastructure partners, right? So basically that run, runs IBM's you know, Edge Application Manager, which runs a Red Hat OpenShift. Uh, so think about any of the hardware manufacturers and you have device manufacturers. You can think about OT manufacturers. So think about you know, partners like Intel, like NVIDIA, like Arrow, uh, that, that make and deliver de devices. Many of these devices now have sufficient compute to run containerized workload. Think about other industry solution providers. We're all part of that. So you know, we have uh, IBM's leading AI app suite, that uh, application suite, so built around Tririga, that also forms part of this, right? So this serves the IoT space. And uh, Maximo, these are all part and parcel of this whole body of, uh, of technology that we have. And to make all of this work, you need a broad ecosystem. Otherwise, you just you, you can interconnect, you can deliver end-to-end -end services, and you basically leave your client to become the contractor trying to put all these pieces together. That's why ecosystem is so important here. Well, sure. No client wants to be the the project manager for their install, in addition to also having to learn how to, to run this stuff, especially if they're starting on the ground. Um, so so uh, that that's a really important point. You raised two other things that I want to talk about. Uh, and uh, the first is um, there's the longstanding debate in the IoT back and forth. Uh, I think that it's one of those debates where there's all answers are correct, depending on the situation. But um, the, the idea of closed system versus open source and which is better for which and and uh, the partnership equation fits in here because, of course, you, you've got a closed system. Well, I guess it's not fair to call Sigfox a closed system anymore. That was the example I was going to use because they've opened up now within the last uh, 18 months, I think. Um, yeah. But a, a closed system where there's tons of partners working in that space. Uh, you can think of lots of connectivity protocols, Z-Wave and, and a few others that yeah. are that are functionally closed systems. And of course, you've got the open source uh, folks like Red yeah. Hat. And uh, obviously, it seems yeah. like you're picking a side, but I, I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on whether or not there are advantages or disadvantages in terms of uh, working in partnership at the edge, being open source or closed, uh, and sort of if you've hit any roadblocks in making the decisions that you've made. Yeah, well, no, thanks for that. I, I mean, we absolutely made a choice. We think that open is better. Uh, and, and there's so many different reasons. Just think about innovation and innovation that comes from not just from within your company, not just from your clients, not just from your partners, but beyond that. And open really enables that. And we settled on Red Hat OpenShift. Obviously, it's open uh, 
but they've got this process that is built and developed over time that enables them to go from from projects to products and then delivering stuff back upstream and allowing others to continue to add and innovate. And you know, my you know, our view is that when you have open innovation versus closed innovation, open innovation always wins. So that's that's one argument, just on the innovation front itself. Then you've got another really, which is to do with uh, this idea of choice. I talked about earlier on, I talked about the four imperatives, which is, you know, clients want to work and start where they are, right? They don't want to have to convert to some language in order to work with you. They just want to be able to pick the pieces that they have and cobble other things around them to solve this problem. And when you go with open, you have a much better opportunity, a much better chance that you're going to get alignment across those, at least that buy into open, to use exactly the same protocols across so that whatever you have, you have a much better chance of getting it work. And when you think about the systems integrators that have to make all of this work, you're basically reducing the number of languages and increasing the amount of innovation that happens and therefore a much better chance that you can get to, uh, you can reduce time to value and, and, and solution uh, uh, quickly. So yeah. for those reasons, we think that sort of open innovation is a much more powerful way to go, which is why we've chosen that. It's uh, it's funny because I, I sort of picture uh, uh, talking to an IBM executive back way back in the day when IBM was first partnering with Microsoft on DOS and 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 putting that stuff in in place and and a a an infantile <laughs> Bill Gates showing up in meetings and somebody going, you know, we're really big fans of open source back then. It would have been, it would have been an insane, uh, <laughs> get out of here, buddy, you know, thing. It's just, it's funny to me how uh, compute has sort of evolved over, over this time, uh, especially in a, a company that had for a long time, a very uh, sort of conservative reputation like IBM did. Um, I think it's fair to say uh, to see that sort of openness to use a really weak pun my audience is used to my weak puns. Um, <laughs> but, um, but the the interesting thing about that to me is that um, uh, so much of IBM's work has been around security and having secure systems and secure OS and secure uh, uh, connections and networks. And I mean, that's sort of been part of the core business for uh, IBM software side forever, right? Yes. Uh, and yet that's the argument that people make against open source a lot of times is that, well, we have a, a, a need for a tightly secure system and, and we can't allow uh, outside, any chance of outside. So we've got to use uh, a closed system. We've got to use proprietary because it being proprietary by nature makes it more secure. I don't hold a lot of faith in that argument and I don't, think it's the prevailing argument anymore, but I'd love to hear you debunk it for a moment, just in case we got some listeners who are still on that side. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I think uh, open is also secure, right? So, for example, if you think about, uh, just think about IoT and Edge, for example, right? One of the reasons why you want to do the processing of the data there 
is um, in, in, in the case of Edge is that you don't really want to move the data because moving the data often exposes you to more risk. You're moving it to some centralized location where you know more, more damage can be done versus just data protected where it is. Right? A little piggyback so, is all you need at that point. So now, so, so if you look at uh, IBM Edge Application Manager, this runs on top of Red Hat Enterprise Linux, which is inherently much more secure than proprietary systems. We've worked this, I mean, Linux, it runs everywhere. There's no, no question about around that. Then we add various other you know, autonomous models that enable updates to, to, to secure these devices. Because when you think about these devices sitting out there, actually, you know, when is the last time somebody actually updated them? Yeah, they 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 probably got some a very old version. Of At install is always the answer. Like <laughs> so, but, but with with edge, with with edge computing now, you can actually have software running on it that communicates autonomously with the base to get the latest version of the code updated on it, and to ensure that all the necessary security patches are done, and we can do this autonomously, which is why we really focus on. You know, there's a labor element here. There is a, a, a scale element here, which often gets overlooked because, yes, you've got a lot more devices, and so you've got to figure out a way to do it autonomously. And, and, and one of the things that we do is making sure that uh, this is protected, right? And you can do that in, in open as well. As. With Edge Application Manager, we make sure that our messages are encrypted, uh, and you've got the right level of, um, you know, you've got the signatures are all verified, You've, you've got container security as part of this. Mm-hmm. You, and and you, you also prevent uh, sort of man-in-the-middle attacks, right? Um, and, and you provide update verification at all times. So, so no, this, is, this is secure. And this is running in many enterprises around the world as well, right? So it's not, uh, it's, it's not stuff for the labs. This is being used in production all over the world. So the uh, firmware and, and software updates are over the air and and uh, happy, happening sort of in a push fashion. When there's a new update, it just sort of runs to the system. That's correct. So, so in fact, it's a, it's a, there's a communication, there's a, a, a negotiation between the, the end piece and the server. And of course, the thing with the, the many of these IoT devices, they tend to be in disconnected environments or disconnected at times. Mm-hmm. And so if you go to check the server and the server isn't there, it waits until it hears a heartbeat, then mm-hmm. it communicates to the server and downloads itself. So it's pull, downloads the current version, downloads the current uh, fixes. And so you actually harden and you make that more secure because of this constant communication that is happening to make sure that you're always at the right level of support for your code that is running on these devices. That's awesome. I don't want to get too far off topic here because uh, I'm sure we can go back and forth on security forever. But now I'm just curious about one thing uh, on the security front with the edge, because a lot of people talk about uh, mesh networking for security and uh, leveraging blockchain packet distribution and stuff for security. I'm curious as to whether or not that's something that you guys are playing with in, in these edge systems right now, or if that's uh, not part of the, the current operation. It's, it's, that's not currently in IBM Edge Application Manager, which is the offering that we released uh, very recently. Right, right. Okay, I was just curious. Uh, it's it's sort of one of those things that seems to be always in the back burner conversations on security, and mm-hmm. um, I haven't seen it in sort of scaled use yet. 
I'm sure there's, I haven't seen everything, it turns out. So I'm sure there's something out there. And so I I like to throw in the question about it because uh, when I find a good scaled version of that, I want to dig my knuckles in and find out how that's working. Um, uh, Because when I go back, I will check with colleagues when I get back as well. It's interesting uh, stuff. But I want to get back to the partnership piece um, because that, that is such a, a, an important element. And I want to talk about sort of your philosophy of the edge too, because uh, the edge is one of those sort of nascent emerging industries, uh, parts of the IoT that's everywhere and everybody's using it, but everybody's also not entirely sure how, why, or what. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. but I want to start with what kind of partners do you look for in, in the, the ecosystem? Are you, uh, are you sort of taking all comers? Are you talking to specific targeted companies? Uh, who, who are some of the partners that you look for in this? Uh, so we look for a broad range because if you're going to go put together solutions, then you need uh, your infrastructure partners, right? So the, because the code has got to run on something. Then you also need your device and your OT manufacturers, right? They already mm-hmm. make many of these devices. The devices already affecting the sensors that provide, produce lots of information. Many of them, in fact, have their own code that yeah. they use for preventive maintenance so that they can get notified, all the information and intelligence that they need to gather as mm-hmm. part of those. So you need them on board as well. You need your industry solution providers. And, uh, and then you need your, your independent software vendors. And actually, one key part of this is we look for uh, systems integrators as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, you know, you need, uh, again, you, you want more, not less, within your ecosystem. You want systems integrators because many of them are helping clients. These are, and they're working effectively in heterogeneous environments, so mm-hmm. hybrid multi-cloud type environments, to ensure that they understand the platform, they understand the portfolio, and they can use that technology to help their own customers as well. We recently make, made an announcement with Wipro, right? As you know, they are leading global information technology consulting and business processes as a company. Mm-hmm. And basically, they announced that, you know, they launched their 5G services solution suite which is built with IBM, IBM Triariga and IBM wow. Edge Application Manager. So they announced that uh, literally a couple of months ago, three months ago now. Right? Wow. That, I, you know, I think I remember seeing that. I may have covered that announcement going by. They, they run together sometimes, I do have to admit. <laughs> um, and we have many more like that, many more announcements to partners that are basically coming onto the platform. Yeah, that's, that's really amazing. Um, uh, and you you answered my my next sort of question uh, at the same time because I was going to ask if you're uh, bringing in partners across the entire spectrum from sort of the analytics and data space and you, and you did that so we can move on to the next thing which is uh, I think the the crux of our conversation here and where I've been uh, leading us which is what is the edge for you for you and for for IBM and 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 why. Why is it so important to the success of IoT systems and systems of systems? Why why does IBM care about the edge? IBM could be a, a IBM's been a server company, been a cloud company. Why does the edge matter? <laughs> so so it, it turns out that the edge matters enormously. Um, so so first of all, how are we define it. So I'll say that when when you think about the edge, it's basically. Um, you know, processing data close to where that data is created. So at the moment, uh, with IoT devices, they produce reams and reams of data, reams and reams of intelligence, but we need to get that data, typically take it to some data center, process it, and bring it back, and then 
take some action or you take it to the cloud, first bring it back. With Edge, you can marry with your IoT devices. You can take advantage of the data. You can do the processing. You can run the data model. You can run the AI model, and you can take action right there, whether it's a camera, whether it's a drill, whether it's a temperature sensor, whether it's some other unit right, that is designed to do something other than a computer, but it's got computer. Yeah. So, so, so now, so this is becoming increasingly important. If you look at what uh, IDC is saying, or you look at Gartner, they're all talking about huge amounts of data being processed in the near term. So we're talking the 2025 timeframe, not in your regular edge, not in a regular data center or cloud, but actually in the edge, large percentage of wow. data moving out completely. And so when, with that data moving out, you get the opportunity now to do things at the edge that you've not been able to do before. You also have other drivers like 5G, which is coming up, right? Uh, I know that there's still, many of the telcos are still very much in the infrastructure building phase. You don't have a lot of uh, 5G services out there yet, but they will. And then you also get what is happening and part of 5G supporting that, which is the telcos taking advantage of that to transform their telco networks. And effectively, all of this is really creating a hybrid multi-cloud platform. And so clients are looking for the opportunity to be able to use exactly the same horizontal open architecture, whether, you, whether you're modernizing and managing within your telco network, whether you're modernizing and managing workload in your data center, or whether you're modernizing and managing workload in your public or private cloud, or indeed if you're modernizing and managing workload in far edge locations. So just think about the scale that you can now bring on your scale, because the same set of microservices, containerizes, community skills, build a Red Hat OpenShift, are those that allow you to modernize your infrastructure, to modernize your workload, and then you can deploy and run that workload in edge locations, on-prem, or in public cloud. So it's a really powerful story, and because we've got such a powerful horizontal hybrid multi-cloud story, it makes sense that we help our customers as that data begins to move to edge locations, to help them process and work that data there, just like they did in their hybrid multi-cloud environment. That's awesome. Um, unfortunately, we're getting near the end of the time and I wanted to talk about so many things with you, but I have uh, made myself a slave to time. And so I will not, uh, I will not give up. Um, but I want to see if I can get you to uh, uh, justify one of my pet theories about the edge. <laughs> um, <laughs> although, please, feel free to tell me I'm wrong. It literally happens every time I do this. So um, uh, I was for a long time pretty skeptical about edge networking as a, a broadly functional tool because I was looking to the sort of global statistical analysis that you can do in the cloud when you're catching all that raw data and, and finding sort of unintended consequences on trends and things like that. And it seemed to me that processing at the edge and then sending back uh, abstracted or or uh, sort of metadata only would remove that functionality. And I thought that was an important functionality. I have evolved on this. And a lot of the reason that I've evolved on this is because of an enablement technology that I think sort of solves that issue and creates more of a two-way street between uh, the cloud and the edge. And that technology, I think, is represented by the digital twin and, and creating sort of these virtualized experimental models of your edge edge network 
in the cloud that you can experiment on, get results, and then make the physical one reflect those, those results. Do you see Digital Twin as an enablement technology that same way? Am I sort of thinking about this wrong? <laughs> and I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this little pet theory of mine. <laughs> well, no, I, I think that that's a, that's a very valid point. That's a very valid point. And I would say that even on the uh, on metadata that gets processed and moved, I mean, you've seen that the, the, the power of metadata is often, um, is often underestimated because you can do a lot just with metadata. Mm-hmm. And, and I've also seen data that says, of, you, know, you know, if you go to a, a machine that is churning out IoT information that's going to a data center, maybe 94% of that data isn't actually going to be actionable. And if you think about a TV camera that's out there uh, all day, you know, you're waiting for the needle in the haystack for one time something moves. Much of the data that you gather, you're probably not going to need at all. And therefore, the ability to just process and throw away that data, maybe keep a picture of only when things change, is, uh, is also powerful. That would be one way in which you sort of do the implementation where you're not storing all the data because you don't really need all of it. And actually, you're making decisions very quickly using the pieces of data that you process and then deciding whether you want to store it or not or whether you just want to throw it and move on if you're just looking for on-off. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say this. Uh, I, and this is my own personal obsession, I love the data that is not the exception case more than the exception case data. I, I with that video camera idea, I love the idea of, of keeping and looking at all, maybe I'm just a hoarder, keeping and looking at all of that data that was not the exception that you were looking for and looking for the trends there. Like, why is this the normal case and what is going on in those normal cases so that when I'm looking for something that I don't know I'm going to be looking for 20 years from now, I can say, you know, I wasn't looking for this then, but every day on this camera at, you know, 336, uh, this particular uh, light change happened. I wonder why. <laughs> and <laughs> so this is why my workshop is piled to the, to the, re- to the gills with little screws that I kept. <laughs> I, I agree. And, you know, and I think the, the data models will be with you all the way that I can, right? Because <laughs> they would want all of that data because the more of the data you get, the, the, the better the, the, the insights, the, the more representative also your outcomes, more representative your decision-making. Sure. So, sure. yes, it, 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 it's just the issue. The business case out. becomes pretty tough. The business case, be, the, the, somebody who has to write a check for all that storage and, <laughs> and data transfer is looking at me like I'm a crazy person, and they're probably right. Um, <laughs> thank we, you. We've got a nice little data business and a nice little storage business, so I'm, I'm, I'm all for that as well. I mean, sure. Uh, I'll send them your way. <laughs> um, Everestus, thank you so much. Uh, where can folks find out more about what you're working on uh, with IBM Edge Ecosystem? system out in the worldwide interwebs. <laughs> well, thank you, Ken. So please go to uh, www.ibm.com stroke partner world stroke cloud stroke edge computing.
All right. And I'll put that link in the show notes for you folks. So don't worry about trying to write it down right now. You can click on it and go. Uh, I think, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Ken Briota or at IOT Evolution. Please visit IOTEvolutionWorld.com for all the fits that's news to print in the IOT. Uh, make sure you check out IOTEvolutionExpo.com. I told you I'd get back here to get yourself registered now at the best possible rates and uh, uh, check out our speaking faculty as they are announced and our agenda as it evolves. Not to mention, of course, all of our sponsors and exhibitors who are going to be there to part partner with you if you join us. So I hope that you'll go to iotevolutionexpo.com and uh, take a look at everything we've got going on for our brand new dates in June in Miami 2021. Uh, please, if you've liked this episode and any of our episodes of IoT Time now in season five, uh, rate, review, like, subscribe, do all the things that you do with your favorite podcasts so that you never miss an episode. And if you'd like to partner with me and IoT Time and join the IoT Time family, I've got my email in the show notes. Shoot me a note and we can talk about a variety of sponsorship uh, options for you here on the podcast. So I hope you'll think about doing that. For now, though, Everestus Mensa, thank you so much for being my guest and talking about uh, IBM Edge ecosystem. This has been really cool. Thank you for having me, Ken. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, uh, uh, and I hope that I can have you back again sometime. But for now... For now, unfortunately, that is all the IoT time we have. So I hope you folks out there are taking care of each other. Don't forget to wear a mask, wash your hands, and uh, we love you a lot. Catch you next time.